foodie. 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 From the Not A Foodie Studio, which is not actually a studio, it's my dining room table in Queens. It's the Not A Foodie Show. Hey, Mike. Hey. <laughs> what? I'm just used to having the intro music. I know. Well, I'll, I'm going to edit the intro music in. Um, so the Not A Foodie Show is a food radio show and podcast talking about food and food culture. But we are on hiatus from the radio for the summer. But we decided that we're still going to record podcasts because podcasting is pretty damn cool. So I'm Tom Miali, and across from me is... Mike Maranti. Mike. It's been a, been a busy week. Should we talk about food news? I mean, so there's only... There's two pieces of food news. Okay. Uh, there's a quick one and then a very much more important one. Okay. Quick one. Um, a certain uh, president's certain son went to a certain restaurant in, or a certain cocktail bar in Chicago uh-huh. and got spit on. That's that's ridiculous. Look, yeah. I mean, whatever. I Whatever you think, if you're a server and you think that someone in your restaurant deserves to be spit on, um, keep it to yourself. Just like, spit in his drink. Yeah, just, exactly. Just what are you doing? In his cocktail. No. Like, you can't. I mean, I like. I think she was arrested. Was she? Good. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's, don't, just don't, don't serve the person. Say I have a problem serving this person. Ask another server to take, like, don't do something stupid like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, to, to quote Michelle Obama, when they go low, we go high and we don't <laughs> spit on them. We spit in their, in their yeah. $40 cocktail. Uh, 50. $50, $50 cocktail. cocktail. Um, well, I, I know you've got, we want to talk about um, the world's 50 best, but I also, before we talk about that, I want to... Um, Food news that I, we could talk a whole episode about Anthony Bourdain, but I think as far as food news goes this week, I loved the Bourdain Day tweets. Yeah, all like, the tributes and everything. Everyone tweeting about Anthony Bourdain. It was his birthday. Um, you know, we're recording on a Wednesday. Yesterday was his birthday, the 25th, I guess it yeah. was. And just chefs from all over the world and people from the the food world are they're just tweeting about him giving so, yeah, someone on reddit um a bartender or a chef they put it at the bar and they had a picture of him with a light a candle and it was just like a like a little thing about like today's anthony bourdain's birthday and we remember him blah 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 and the uh the title was like people came by and joked and cried and like everything in between like you know at um at the pass at per se or at French Laundry, actually, um, they pasted a bunch of quotes on the pass-through. So every time anyone went to go pick up a, a plate, there was a, a Bourdain quote there. The people were just sort of, you know, people were able to, um, to to see. And there was a picture of him. And I saw some photos from the French Laundry where they were all outside um, toasting before service started. So, um, you know, as, as far as... As far as tributes go, like I said, you and I can spend two or three episodes, and and we are by far not the most qualified people no. to talk about. Um, there are better better people than us, more eloquent people than us, better writers than us that have talked. People that know him in knew yeah him. to to like that have talked much more um, eloquently about him. Um, but I just thought it was really a nice little tribute um, that his chef friends all put together for his birthday. 
So that's my piece of food news. But I think what you wanted to talk about was what? The 50 best restaurants list. 2019's world's 50 best restaurants list. Yep. So they made a rule. And the rule is if you've ever won first place before, you can't be on the list anymore. Right. Well, do you know who the world's 50 best list is it's just i think it's just a marketing company right is it the it's not san pellegrino is that it no uh i don't know yeah um, i mean i think it's just a san pellegrino might sponsor it or used to sponsor it uh, yeah i i'm not sure if it's just a marketing agency or i think it's the world's 50 best is is its own company it might i don't know it was sponsored by pellegrino for a while no it, yeah it's still sponsored by san pellegrino okay so basically um you know, my take on the world's 50 best restaurants is it's just uh, the 50 most expensive Eurocentric restaurants in the world. That's not true. <laughs> I, it, it always has been. So I'm going to tell you why that's not true. Uh, you can. There are always going to be exceptions. Gagan is an exception uh, I, and things g- like that. But when you look at the list, it's predominantly European. So from the top 10, uh-huh. seven are in Europe. One is Gagan in Thailand, mm-hmm. but number six and number ten are in Lima, Central, and Maido, and they're both Nikkei restaurants. I thought that that was a good addition. I mean, they've come under the fifty best has come over come under some pressure over the past few years to um, be more inclusive of a, of a global scale. If you're calling your the, your list the world's fifty best, it actually has to encompass chefs from around the world, not just Europe. So also, if you've won it before now, if you so like French Laundry, EMP, uh, any restaurant that's ever won best restaurant in the world is now no longer eligible, and they're putting together a different list called Best of the Best. And I'm not sure it, they didn't release it yet, but like it's something that they're working on. I think that's that's something that uh, is a step in the right direction. The other yeah. thing that's a step in the right direction is that they promised um, that the judges are going. There's going to be more gender parity in the in the judging. Yeah. Because for I mean for years and years and years it's just been all male judges, you know, going around the world. So. So, I've said, I'm pretty sure I've said it on this show, but I've definitely said it to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that the best restaurant in New York City that isn't um, a tasting menu, like the best a la carte restaurant in New York City, yes. is Cosme. Yes, you've said that on this podcast. You've said it to me. I, it's just how I feel. You say a, it. Yeah. You, you wear a sandwich feel. board that says it. All and um, what was the highest ranked restaurant in America this year? Was it Cosme? It was Cosme. Beat out uh, Le Bernardin. Beat out Stonehill Farms. Those are the only two that are even on there. Uh, Wait, those are the only two what? in New York. No, there's uh, Per Se's on there too, right? No, no Per Se's not. No Per Se's in the toilet now. No one. Pete Wells killed Per Se. Okay. <laughs> Laverna uh, Den. That's what I was saying. Yeah. So Laverna Den is on there. Yes. And Blue Hill at Stone Barns, which are the two I just said. No, well, you you said blue stone, blue barns at Hill or something I, yeah, like that. I, as yeah, as long as no, I get the words right. No, that's not how <laughs> that's not how communication works. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, and then uh, the chef uh, Daniela Soto Ines, she won best female chef. Yes. And I don't like the only other best type of chef besides like best executive chef is best pastry chef. And I don't think a female chef and a pastry chef are the same thing. Like, no, they're absolutely not. It's like a pastry chef's like a, a job, and a female chef is a chef. Yeah. Well, so that's why uh, they've taken some flack over the years that they even have the best female the, chef. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, she, why do, why even have that 
that title. Mm. Like, you don't need that title. To me, she is the 23rd best chef in the world, which is really awesome. I mean, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't. I can't equate a number on the list with the number you know, sure. as far yeah, as the yeah. chef goes. But um, but is there a best chef? No. There's no best chef. There's best only pastry best, chef and best female chef. And there's no best chef. Wow. But, yeah. There's no just there, best there, overall And there's chef. no, like, best poissonnier or, like... So she should just be the... So I would just... If I were her, I'm the best chef in the world because there's no other <laughs> best chef there. Um, but... And my boy, Jose Andres, Icon yeah. Award. I mean, I love that. He's... Uh, the Icon Award is... That's a fitting title for, for what he does. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, these lists are... They drive me nuts sometimes. I used to... I, maybe it's me. I'm getting cranky and old, and I don't know. But Tom, like, the whole point of this segment was for me to talk about how I'm always right. That, that's it. That was just that's, <laughs> that's it. it. That's for me to show everyone that the restaurant that I thought was the best restaurant is the best restaurant. Okay. All right. Well, so you're saying that I shouldn't talk anymore. I'm done. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying we we can finish this unless you want to like <laughs> unless you have anything else to like go I, on. I have nothing else to add to this list except for the fact that I don't like these lists and. Mike and I just had uh, lunch at a Szechuan joint that it was phenomenal. <laughs> it and was it was thirty-one dollars, delicious, and it was thirty-one dollars. And um, if I were to spend a thousand dollars at that restaurant, like I would spend at one of these world's fifty best restaurants, I mean, you might be able to buy the entire kitchen. <laughs> yeah, they might not have a thousand dollars worth of inventory. And I would walk away delighted and full and just happy. I think. Um, <laughs> So anyway, I think there's a place for these lists, but I'm I'm not sure what that place is in this world anymore. Um, I anyway. think it's good if you're traveling. Yeah, if yeah. You're, if you're gonna travel somewhere and you're like I'm I'm on vacation, I want to spend money and I want to eat at the best place. I'm never I don't know the next time I'm gonna be in Atscondo, Spain. Right. I'm gonna eat at Asador at Bari. I think it's like Bas because I can't pronounce any of that. Um, but no, and I agree with you. And we talked about this when we talked about Michelin stars, like. I would, if there is a restaurant someplace that is worth traveling to because it's because it's something that nobody else is doing anywhere else in the world, like I would rather this be a most innovative restaurants list. That w- that would be something that would be more well, interesting I to mean, me. Well, I mean, to be fair, Noma got number two. I, I mean, and, and, no, and Gagan got great. number four. Yeah. So, I mean, it is very innovative stuff. And I'm not familiar... I'm familiar with Central and Mido as far from like the Nikkei side, but I don't mm-hmm. really know if they're doing anything innovative. And the other ones, I'm not familiar with. Yeah, I mean, and I have no idea what these, you know, what, what number one on the list is. Um, Mirazor. I don't which, know where Menton is in France, even. Yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm on the website now. It looks like it's um, elegant. It's on the mountains. It's in the country, like on the like in in a remote sort of area. Is it like there's palm trees there? So I have no idea where it is, but it's, you know, it, it, it looks like really nice, interesting food, but I'm not, I, I don't know. Maybe it is innovative. I don't know. Anyway, that's just me. So I think we could wrap this segment up yeah. because it's just, it's me complaining and you saying that you're right about everything. Like um, every other so we've got a good show coming up. We're gonna, Mike and I spent the day at the, uh, the fancy food show in New York. We're going to come back in a minute and talk about that. And uh, then we'll talk about some cocktails. So we'll be back in like five seconds after we take a drink of water. Bye. And we're back from our quick break. It's weird that we're not on the radio. Like I don't, um, I don't take commercials. Like it's, it's a weird sort of like coming back from non-commercials. I think it helps 
because I do like doing the current events and mixing stuff up. A yeah, little bit, so. no, I think it's I think it's a good thing. So anyway, now we're we're back and we're talking um, about what we did yesterday. Mike, what did we do yesterday? The fancy food show with press passes. <laughs> we were press. We, we are press. We are press. We are impressive. Um, I, we did. Uh, no one can take that away from me. <laughs> I, I'm food press. You are press. I. This is you know I still have my first press pass someplace. Uh, I think it was for the United Nations. I have mine too because it's uh, from yesterday. I'm just gonna say, what are you gonna do at your first press pass? Like you gotta you gotta frame it and hang it someplace. <laughs> it just says press on it. It's great. I'm gonna get you a hat like in the 50s, like an old man's hat, an old man's fedora, so you can put the press pass <laughs> up on top, and you can be like a photographer from the Spider-Man cartoon or something like that. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, tell us about the tell us about your first experience at the fancy so food show. I've done food shows before, not not at this level. But they've been like restaurant shows. Okay. So there's always food, but there's also mainly um, like technology and stuff that the people are uh, showing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and like this, you just eat. You just you. <laughs> You fucking eat. So do you know, like, who's, do you know what the show is about? Like, you went to the show yesterday. Like, It's to, to find distributors. It's to, it's for distributors to find new people. It's for restaurateurs to pick stuff up. It's, it's not really, it's mm-hmm. not really for, like, people to go and eat. It's for, to, like, for business. Yeah. But, yeah. like, you can, if you're into food, you can just go there. Well, it's like eat. everyone, every food producer, not every food producer, but top food producers from all over the world go there to, to sell their food. And whether it's, you know, a new product or it's a, you know, a thousand-year-old uh, charcuterie place from Italy, like, you're they're there and they're trying to sell their wares to everyone from, like, Costco to restaurants to, you know, Walmart to whomever. So it's... It's pretty awesome, right? It's, it's it was incredible. Show. It was, I I was drunk on meat and cheese. <laughs> I mean, Legitimately, like I I wasn't sober. You made you made a couple rookie mistakes, and I won't go over what those were, but I will say that the biggest like knowing that you got drunk on meats and cheeses makes up for any rookie mistake because that's how you're supposed to leave there. You're supposed to leave there with like just so bloated no, from eating salt-cured meat. I was inebriated. Like, like yeah. I, I wasn't, like, You're, of sound mind. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You just eat meats and cheeses. So, um... My favorite thing that happened was we were... Who was the, the milk guy? Oh, the... Oh, I... Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, he was a... He, he's a milk distributor. He basically... Uh, it's Five Acre Farms. Five Acre Farms. So, and, Five Acre goes to different farms all over New York. Um, it was Dan Horan, who's the president... And he's from Brooklyn, but he goes to these farms all over New York State and basically delivers mostly dairy products. Mm-hmm. So tell him, tell him what happened. So he, we're walking around. He's like, "Oh, you guys want some chocolate milk?" And we're like, "Yeah, of course." <laughs> but so he gives us like a a twelve ounce container of um, ch- chocolate milk in a plastic jug. And I'm not gonna drink twelve ounces of chocolate milk uh-huh. at this event. They're, they're just not a smart move. I I already made a mistake when uh, Ample Hills gave me an entire scoop of ice cream. That was what I was going to say. That was your rookie mistake. Yeah. It was the first thing that you did. I, I met up with you and you were already eating a big thing of Ample Hills. I, I also just didn't expect for them to give you, me that big of a scoop. <laughs> it was like, but anyway, so I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll try some of this chocolate milk. And I take like a sip or two and it's, it's very good chocolate milk. And then I leave. Because I don't want to see, I don't want this guy to see me throwing out the chocolate milk. Right. that I'm not going to finish because I'm not going to drink twelve ounces of chocolate milk. Yep. And I come back and yours is empty. 
<laughs> Tom crushed a 12 ounce container of chocolate milk. I have a problem with chocolate milk. The problem is, is that as soon as chocolate milk touches my lips, I won't stop drinking until it's gone. And that includes if there's like a gallon of chocolate milk and I'm drinking straight from the container, like I will drink a gallon of so chocolate milk. So when people yeah. are in recovery, the, the <laughs> joke, not the joke, the line is one drink is too many and a thousand isn't enough. Right. And that is what you just said. Seriously, I can't drink like, you know, you, like it's late night and you go like straight and drinking, drinking from a jug. Like for chocolate milk, I really fear for my health. If I drink straight from the jug, because I will not stop drinking, I have to pour it into like a sensible glass because I have a chocolate milk addiction and I'm lactose intolerant, I believe. <laughs> I mean, I know that I'm, I don't know that I'm lactose intolerant, but I know that it's not going to make me I know feel I'm poisoning yeah. myself. I, I know, can't stop. I know that for the rest of like that moment, for the rest of I knew. In the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm going to feel like crap for the rest of the day, but I don't care. This is chocolate milk, and I can't stop drinking it until it's gone. So, yeah. So, anyway, so that was uh, that, that was awesome. And I'm like, thanks to Five Acre Farms um, for giving me chocolate milk. And I'm sorry if I didn't see you later on, but I purposefully avoided going down your aisle again because I, the addiction is, is too great for me. Okay, so uh, other standouts. Yes. Um, shout out Mike's Hot Honey. For, oh yeah. They one they were giving us cocktails with hot honey, spicy honey. It's um Mike's Hot Honey is famous because they kind of made uh Roberta's and Polly G's pizzerias pretty famous. Yeah. With their it's a spicy honey that it's a. Uh, it's not just like putting peppers in honey. They have like their own proprietary. Yeah, it's, it's chilies and honey from um, Local, from Brooklyn. Brooklyn and bees. I mean, and it's delicious. And also, uh, shout out to uh, Kent Spellman, uh, who was the rep there from Mike's Hot Honey. Um, he's the executive flavor genius, is actually his title. But I said he he gave me one of the cocktails that they made with Mike's Hot Honey. I said this is delicious, and literally like an hour later, I had the recipe in my menu, uh, or the recipe was in my inbox. And and they both they gave us awesome. both a bottle of Mike's Hot Honey. To yes, take home. and my kids uh, my kids have stickers, Mike's Hot Honey stickers and pins, and everybody loves Mike's Hot Honey. It is it is awesome, and I'm so happy that. Uh, that I got a bottle to make some cocktails with. And more on that later in our yeah. cocktail section. Also, uh, shout out the Trufflist. Oh, um, yeah. The owner went to high school with my girlfriend in a funny, small world type thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, Casey Korn, who was the uh, chef ambassador for them, gave, essentially just gave us a truffle tasting of all of their things. So we had truffle hot sauce, truffle mustard, truffle butter. Uh, and it was all really, really good. We're going to try and get Casey on the show. She's a super cool person. Yeah. that I mean, the truffle butter was out of this world. And mm-hmm. it was one of those otherworldly things that you're just going to, like, I want to slather that on top of a steak. Like, a, you grill a ribeye and put some of that on. Uh, it's I can't even imagine it. So I might have to go buy some of that. Other What other standouts from uh, you? Bono olive oil. Oh, so yeah. Something. So I met them. They had dinner at Feroce. Mm-hmm. And I told them I was going to be there on Tuesday. And they're like, oh, come by. You know, we'll make sure to send you home with some bottles. And we went by. <laughs> and there, we went to a lot of different uh, booths. All the people that we're talking about are people that, like, had all the time in the world for us. And, like, really right. wanted to impress us. Well, and, I think that's – and, like, not to interrupt your thought, but, like, that's one of the things that I love about the show is that it's all people who um, – with the exception of, of a few, it's all people that are really, really passionate about – 
what they're representing. So whether it's the olive oil or whether it's honey or whether it's, you know, whatever it is, um, they're really passionate about these products and they'll talk to you for hours about why their product is, is awesome and why they love their product. So anyway, yeah, so we met the, the whole family. And, and it's just killer. And besides olive oils, which they do uh, unfiltered, they do different extra, different types of blends, I guess, for extra yeah. virgin olive oils. They also make marmalades. Yeah. And the blood orange was delicious. And the lemon, I had like a large spoonful and it was so potent. Yeah. You took a similar size. I was like, no, no, no. Take like. Just take a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I, I've got some unfiltered olive oil. And the first time I ever had unfiltered olive oil. I was in Italy, and it it's just a completely different experience. It's spicy. It's it's really delicious, and I was so happy to see that they had unfiltered olive oil there. So I, they're great. Thank you very much for for the olive oil. <laughs> um, I have two more. I'm gonna do one, and then I'll let you talk about. The I, last I've got one. two that were standouts. Okay. for me, but go ahead. I think one of them is the same. Yeah, yeah. So um, the happy group, uh, happy eggs. Oh yeah, I didn't get to talk to them. Yeah, but I, saw I, you did. I saw them before I ran before I met up with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're a farm in Arkansas, and they make uh, heirloom chicken eggs. Okay, so they're all different colors. The yolk is this bright, beautiful orange. I love um, Yeah, and they like uh, they're just super. Pa- the eggs themselves are like pr- not eggs. The chickens are like proprietary chickens. Like hmm. through like scientific breeding and stuff, they figured out like the type of chicken that they want, like the perfect egg. Chicken. Yeah, yeah. So they're lo- so they have non-organic like regular eggs that they sell, and then they have like different levels of like how good you can get. So mm-hmm. it's really cool, and I'm sure their regular eggs are still just really incredible eggs. So we're gonna incredible edible eggs. <laughs> that was. Do you remember that tagline? No, that was no. the tagline. Yeah, I don't know. That was the stupidest tagline ever. For it was like the egg board. The United States Egg Board. It was the incredible oh, edible egg, which, I, like, of course, if you're selling me an egg, it better be edible. <laughs> I don't understand that. So, yeah, I just shut them out because uh, when people that care about uh, produce is just very important. I agree. I agree. Well, I, I there's a couple that I want to, a couple of companies that I want to talk about. But before I get into that, like, what do you think? Um, I, I noticed a few trends. Did you yeah, notice any so anything? One mm-hmm. uh, was really kick-ass mustard <laughs> condiments are always huge at this show yeah, yeah and but like we had that curry mustard yeah we had uh the mustard from that one hot dog vendor mm-hmm. and we had the truffle mustard yeah from the truffleist yeah. and they were all off that curry mustard was my favorite yeah uh, but they were all like phenomenal yeah i i think i think that you're seeing so condiments are the new condiment is always like what people are that's like the gold standard at these shows like they want to come out being the new sriracha you know there's always some company that wants to come out and this is they they want to make it big so you always see a lot of condiments there and i think that i think that adding flavors to something like mustard and i remember at the show in san francisco in january it was ketchup as well like you start seeing a lot of curry ketchup mm-hmm. and um a ketchup with like these african spices in it and moroccan ketchup and so it's like trying to spice up already you know yeah. condiments that are there or taking condiments um, that and rethinking them, like going back to their original roots, like the whole grain mustards and things like that were really popular. And then also um, za'atar, I think, is about to have a moment. Za'atar, I, I mean, the za'atar popcorn, um, I like. I, I I love that stuff. The, I think it's great. The way that everything 
everything bagel seasoning. Mm-hmm. He's having a moment now. I think Zatar, Zatar. is going to be I've been waiting. One. I've got I've been using Zatar for three, four years, and I've been waiting for it to have its moment. It's delicious. It's a, just a great spice blend. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that for me, there were some trends. So, yes, the spices and adding spices to the condiments and things like that. I think there was this overall trend of healthy snacking. Like Yeah, we had – it was like, oh, yeah, this whole bag only has three grams of sugar in it because yeah. we use coconut and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is way too healthy for me. <laughs> there, there's a lot of that stuff, like a lot of bags of things that, like, you can just crush a bag and it's, oh, you know, that just you just burned calories, more calories <laughs> eating that than you, you ingesting it. Um, so I think that, and then I think the other thing is, um, I, I, what's noticeably absent from a lot of these shows are the big, um, impossible meat, you know, and and things mm-hmm. like that. The meat sort of substitutes, um, and I think because they don't need to be at these shows, they've they also, already they go to the tech shows. Yeah, yeah, and, and so they're you know they've got a great, they've got a great product, and they get enough. Um, they can't keep up with the, the demand already. You know, they've got... They're in White Castle. They're done. Yeah, like, they don't need to go to these shows anymore. But piggybacking off of them, there's a lot of meat alternatives, sort of little little things, like, like a lot of jerkies, the mushroom jerkies. Mm-hmm. I saw, like, five companies that were selling, like, you know, beef jerky or imitation beef jerky, and it's made from, like, mushrooms. And, and it's good. Mushrooms does a good imitation of, you know, that umami meat flavor. And if you do it right, you can get the texture. And Yeah, you yeah. get a texture right. And then, I mean... Jerky is just the seasoning. Like, that's really mm-hmm. Dehydration. it. Dehydration. Dehydrating it, and you're putting teriyaki on or whatever it is. So I saw a lot of that stuff, too. Um, and the same thing with pastas. I saw a lot of pastas that were pastas. sort of like gluten-free pastas or pastas made from, like, mung beans or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Things like that. Um, so those were some of the trends. But I, So my two standouts, I've got two standouts that I want to talk about. Number one, Hella Cocktail Company. Yeah, Hella Bitters. From Brooklyn. Um, so Hella, they, they make bitters, they make mixers, but what they were launching at this show was a, they've got like this, uh, a sparkling drink, like it's like a bitters and soda drink, mm-hmm. which I thought was phenomenal. I thought it was, I mean, I would, I would crush cans of that stuff. It was like, and no alcohol, no alcohol, because bitters are super high in alcohol, but that's why you only put a couple of drops. Yeah. You in. put a couple of drops in, in a can of sparkling water and it's, it, they sell them in, you know, in these little cans and they were great on their own. Like I would absolutely just drink them out of a cooler, like, you know, hanging out. But I mean, I had a cocktail that had, you know, a little bit of gin in it and it was it was great. It was just a perfect like it didn't taste um, a lot. A lot of these like cock bitters and soda um, in cans, like they, they taste, taste chemically. Like, yeah, exactly. They have like that that saccharine mm-hmm. sort of fake sugary taste. No, it literally tastes. This like, was just perfect, right? At, at work, I do. Um, I take a lemon and a lime, and I muddle them, and mm-hmm. a couple of drops of bitters, and I just add the seltzer. Yeah. And if I added lemon or lime to that, it would taste exactly the same. Yeah. So hella, we we hung out with them. I mean, like I said, during the during the day, I and, had some of their stuff, and it was great. Um, then I went back and hung out with them a little bit at sort of happy hour time mm-hmm. around two, three o'clock in the afternoon. And I had a little gin cocktail with their bitters, which with their um, their new product, which is the you know soda and bitters. So they were awesome. Um, the other standout for me, the best, the, the, the uh, actual, you know what I'm going to yeah, say. No, the, I yeah. was waiting for this just to be the last thing, because <laughs> this was 
So uh, this was like a life altering uh, experience. <laughs> Uh, let me, when when I was saying time I was ago, drunk on charcuterie. <laughs> a long time ago, I was doing some research and I came across um, I, I came across this Italian charcuterie pro- uh, product called Anduja, N-D-U-J-A, right? Mm-hmm. And I did a little research, and this has got to be five or six years ago. I mean, now you can find Anduja or Anduja, as people call it, like all over the place. But... Back then, there was one company in um, outside of Chicago, I think, that was making it, and they were called Induja Artisans. And they just rebranded their company, and their company is now Tempesta, Tempesta Artisan Salumi. And when I found out that they were the Induja Artisans guys, I was they, like, Mike, they were just come over here, with, Mike. Like, <laughs> with hats, black baseball caps, and they just said Induja in yeah. big red letters. <laughs> and they... So the Naduya was was awesome, right? But they had so many other charcuterie project products out that were like mind-blowingly good. So they had this like Wagyu beef um Bresaola, which won some crazy award at the show. Um they had I know what your favorite, the mortadella. No, so the mortadella wasn't my favorite. Oh, you don't like the, mortadella. The mortadella was the most impressive. Because I don't like mortadella, and I like that one a lot. Right. Um, I my favorite was the pate or the nyduya. Oh, that pate was insane! In fact, I I called them, or I didn't call them. I commented on their Instagram post. They made a, a pate using the nyduya and chicken livers, and I think some pork butt and some other you know lots of flavorings as goes into um, a pate, and it was it was awesome. Like. Um, I'm actually I'm going to go to their website right after this and see if they're selling it, which I doubt that they are because they just decided to whip it up for the show, I think. Um, but it was it was great. Um, but they, they also do some of the other things like they do the uh, the what is it? How do you pronounce it? The Finocchina. Finocchia. Yeah. yeah the, the fennel sausage, which is really good. Um, they do like a hot soprasada calabresi. Uh, everything. And, uh, yeah. Oh, well, let's talk about the what they're doing in Calabria. Oh yeah, well, so who? What's the guy's name? Um, Tony. Tony. Tony's father is. Uh, Tony is the the head sausage maker, <laughs> the head charcuterian, or the head salumi maker, whatever you want to call him. Um, and he, I believe, it's his father, maybe. Yeah, it's his dad. Yeah, so his dad is back in Calabria, and his dad is planting these Calabrian chili peppers. So that he can use them for the nduya. Because to make nduya, you have to have these very specific chili peppers that are Calabrian chili peppers that grow only there. And they're, you know, and they're the pretty Cal- amazing. Calabrian peppers are like the top of the top. Right? Yeah, I mean, they're just, they're spicy and they are flavorful and they're just amazing. China so. is beginning to do a lot of uh, tourism to Calabria. Oh, really? Because... They have because they're going to Italy. They're going on like a beach, but it's also they love spicy food. Hmm. So it's like a really beautiful match made in heaven. I mean, that's it. That's sort of my favorite type of Italian food is spicy Sicilian style mm-hmm. calabresi. And it's still like light too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, As we're, we're talking, we're talking about, about, about pounds and pounds of about eating. I have the picture. I can fat. read off all the things. All the things of what? Uncured brajol, finocchinia, uh, salami di manzo, which is beef salami, spicy gabagool. Oh, you're on the chale, uh, yeah. uh, super sat, tartuffe. 
with the truffle uh, yeah. sausages, tartufo, chorizo, uncured pepperoni. Yeah, so just like insane. Yeah. I mean, we did it. So we had the bresaola with um, wagyu, but it also had some truffles in it. I think it was. I mean, there was cabernet in it. Oh my god, that I just Uh, remember that cheese. Yes, I knew you were gonna go right there. Okay, let's. So (laughs) Tempesta, go check them out. T e m p e s t a. They were like my favorite um, artisan charcuterie, Italian charcuterie salumi place, and now they just rebranded. So Tempesta, they were really good. Um, we're not getting paid, by the way. Let me just say, we're not getting paid to yeah. promote any of these people. These are yet. actually people that we were like blown away by their stuff at the show. There is this is not a paid endorsement. Um, so, but Mike, I know exactly what you're gonna say. What was what was the one little bite that blew you away? There was this blue cheese, and they soaked. This is French. This is not it's a Italian. French blue cheese. We're moving they, on from Italy. They soak. It was a hard blue cheese too. It wasn't like a very. It wasn't like a creamy soft one. Mm-hmm. They soaked the rind in chocolate liqueur. Yeah, and it was just like the perfect dessert cheese. Oh my god, <laughs> it was it was so good and so <laughs> unexpected. It was, and wow. the guys running it couldn't give less than like a yeah. shit about no. us. No, and like less of a mailed about he, us. He was just like, yeah, sure, try it. It's blah blah blah, and we're yeah. like, holy shit, and we're like freaking. Out. I was like, yeah, okay, bye. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, I met again. (laughs) I even hit him with all my French, all the French people. I went, bonjour, comment ça va, ça va bien. And I was like, yeah, so what can I eat? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so we're looking forward to to the next Fancy Food Show. January of next year, we're going to have to get sponsors to go out to that show, Mike. I'll... uh, I, I think know. I think it'll be possible it by then. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I hope so. Um, so go, Mike. Can you? I'm, I'm going to make you commit to doing this on on the air. When you write the blog post, put some links to uh, everything to everything. Yeah, yeah, that'd be and great. We're going to email out to all the people that we talked about so they know that we love them. Cool. <laughs> all right. Um, this is the Not a Foodie Show, and we're going to be back in like one. I don't know. Five seconds. Bye. Foodie. 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 And we're back. Thanks for listening to the Not A Foodie Podcast. It's not like we're actually back. Uh, we don't really go anywhere. <laughs> but it's just so we can switch up segments more fluidly. Just so just so like we can take a pee break and get some coffee. Yeah. And, yeah. So our favorite segment of the week. Yes. What are we drinking tonight? Mike, what are we drinking tonight? So it's actually Negroni week. No, it's not. It is. is it? Uh-huh. Wow. I swear to God, it's Neg- Campari sponsors Negroni week. No, I know that. Oh, yeah. Um, and we have a rule that says we can't drink a Negroni. Okay. I've got, um, by the way, Negroni week, um, I don't know, five years ago or whatever. I've got the, the old station house menu, in Negroni menu in this liquor cabinet that's right behind me. Yeah, so I think I'm just going to play around with what I have in my apartment and make like Negroni riffs. Okay. essentially you have, um, it's one part spirit, one part Amaro, and one part vermouth. Okay. So if... You in your house right now can make like a million different Negroni riffs. Yes. So I think I'm just going to... For those of you that don't know, I'm a little bit of an Amaro sort of... Uh, I, I wouldn't say snob. I wouldn't say connoisseur. I'm like just a like, collector. Yeah. I like and go out and I, try to find any kind of interesting Amaro I think that that's I what's up with Amaro too is like after you get the bug, it's just like, yeah, I want like more of them because they're all different and they're all good and it's not something that you like. You don't go and like crush a bottle of Amaro. No, no, no. I mean, I remember having a bottle of Campari that lasted my whole childhood. Like it was just always around my house. My freshman year of uh, college, I got dinner with my friend and his parents, and his dad's like, "Yeah, so whenever you're at a work function with an open bar, 
don't what you should do is you should drink Campari and soda so you don't get too fucked up. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Mr. McGrath. Duly uh, noted. Uh, I just used to switch from whiskey from straight whiskey to whiskey and soda. That's <laughs> <laughs> so that was my work go to. And then if I if the whiskey and soda was too much, I'd switch to beer at like, you know, eight o'clock <laughs> i'm at like a point in my life now where i just if i know i'm drinking all night i just drink beer because otherwise the hangover i can't do it i can't do it because i'm i get all bloated and gross yeah but the hangover the next day otherwise just fucking kill me i'm fine with hangovers i'm i'm i don't know I, i'm fine with hangovers i can deal with them <laughs> so i'm gonna my drink is uh i'm gonna have multiple drinks i'm gonna have multiple different negroni riffs multiple different negroni riffs so not like one single drink you're I'm just gonna, yeah i'm gonna be like oh well, so you're breaking the rule of no negronis and going and just completely <laughs> saying i'm in. gonna do nothing but negronis and negroni riffs all weekend long. yes and as i was saying i when i binge drink i don't drink cocktails anymore i'm gonna just throw it all out the window <laughs> All right, so Mike lives in Harlem. Um, go to Casa de Negroni in his apartment this weekend if you want a Negroni. Um, my drink, I'm going to have, um, I, I, as we mentioned, I got to hang out. Mike and I got to hang out with a couple of the guys from Mike's Hot Honey, and they made a little bit of a punch um, using Mike's Hot Honey as an ingredient. And I asked them to send me the recipe, and they did um, very quickly, which was great. So I'm going to have a hot honey pineapple smash. And this is a phenomenal drink. This is a really good drink, right? When they when they were like, oh, we have this. I was like, oh, this isn't going to be that good. I, I literally I was wondering with like, oh, this is going to be like, OK. Yeah, but it was it was really good. And it's something that I can drink like 30 of them, like on a hot summer day. <laughs> it's so it's um, two ounces of vodka, an ounce of pineapple juice, an ounce of Mike's hot honey syrup. So Mike's hot honey syrup is um, one to one of hot honey and water. So it's simple syrup. It's a simple syrup, but you use the hot honey to make the simple syrup, um, and basil leaves and club soda. So you just sort of mix it all together, this put some basil good, leaves in there. This is a very good North Fork drink. It, this is an absolute. That's why I was thinking about it. It's a summertime. It's hot right now. It's just it's sticky and humid. I'm going to be drinking these on my back deck out, you know, the only thing the that's sad is like, I don't want to make Mike's hot syrup. I want to just like have it, the hot honey. Oh, you just want to have the hot honey? I don't want to like sacrifice You're just going to have to go buy syrup. more. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's readily available. <laughs> it's not like, you know, it's not like it's a commodity that, you know, is going to go away anytime soon. It's hot, hot honey. It's there. It's a staple now. Um, but anyway, so that's my drink, the hot honey pineapple smash. Are you going to make like five, or I guess like eight ounces of it and just have a bunch of it? Of the syrup? Yeah. I mean, the syrup's easy enough to make. I no, don't it, I'm like essentially, it. I'm saying how much hot honey syrup are you going to make? I mean, I'm going to make enough for two or three cocktails. Like, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to make like a jug of it. But mm -hmm. um, I was thinking when I actually had this at the Mike's Hot Honey booth. We should have had more than one. I was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like we weren't drinking all day. Um, I, I was thinking that I would, this would be a perfect, like, batched cocktail for the summer. Yeah, of course. Like, abs, just put it in a, you know, put it in a jug, have a thing of club soda next to it for to add to give it some bubbles. Like, it would be perfect. Or, because you know me, I would just take this and put it in my soda stream and carbonate it. And I think this would be a good little carbonated cocktail as well. Can you do that? Mm, I saw, not according to... I saw a to... kid on YouTube, like a child, trying to make sparkling wine 
with red wine and he put it in the soda stream and it like exploded. It went everywhere. It was terrifying. Are you are you being serious right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, a million percent. I saw you, it. Was you a saw video it on, on YouTube? YouTube? Yeah. I did this. I, I told you this story. I tried to take some of my shitty homemade wine and make Lembrisco out of it. And it blew up your soda <laughs> It blew up yeah. my soda stream and it blew up and went all over my like ceiling. Like, yeah. <laughs> so you and this child are Yes, the same I know. We've got the same. Well, we've got, the, I like to look at it that we have the same wide-eyed curiosity about the world. We want to I, experiment with things I and see I do like how work. you, how this happened to you and now you're thinking like, oh, maybe I should try it again. No, of course I'm going to try it. Because I, I know what went wrong, I think. So, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's only meant for water. No, it is. If you, according to the instructions, it is only meant for water. But I have successfully carbonated things since then. You have to make sure that everything is really cold because less bubbles form when it's really cold. And you have to slightly carbonate it. You can't go crazy with the carbonation. So as long as it's very, very cold, then it's okay. You're playing a very dangerous I game. I am. I am. I'm playing hot honey pineapple smash time bomb in my kitchen. <laughs> Maybe you should do it outside. Yes, of course. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. That's the lesson that I learned. Not that I might blow up my fingers or anything like that. I learned not to do it inside. If I'm going to fuck something up, just fuck it up outside. Don't fuck it up in my kitchen. <laughs> All right. With, the, with that, uh, <laughs> words of wisdom. Yes, those are words to live by. Um, well, that's that's it. Thanks for listening to the Not A Foodie Show. Um, we are sort of on summer break. We're on summer break from the um, from the radio show. We're gonna drop some podcast episodes. It's, you know. It probably won't be every single week, just because no. of life. But just over the summer, if you want to get in touch with us, reach out to us at Not a Foodie Show on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm at Timmy Alley, T M I A L E on Twitter and Instagram, and at Mike Maranti, M I K E M I R A N T I. Um, if you want to come on the show, if we just met you at the Fancy Food Show and you want to come on, let us know because we can still do that. Sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, reach out to us. We're also, what, info at notafoodie.com? So, yeah, sure. Why not? Reach out to any of us. That's it. Have a great summer. Smash those pineapples. See ya. <laughs>